Good morning, campus community. This is convocation today, and we will move into that theme and hosting our speaker soon. But as chaplain here at EMU, I, I want to take the opportunity to guide us in a time of prayerful reflection with the Bridgewater campus community, Bridgewater College campus community in mind. And I'm going to light this lamp as a symbol of spirit, God with us, with them in this experience of tragedy. This is a dancing flame lamp, and you'll probably notice the, the flame moving some, and I, for me, that, that's important, um, spirit moving among us. And I'd like to read portions of the campus announcement that came out from our president, Susan Schultz Huxman. Dr. Huxman says, I'm deeply saddened to share that Yesterday evening, we learned two campus security employees at Bridgewater College died in an active shooting shooter situation that began earlier in the afternoon on campus. They were John Painter and J.J. Jefferson. And we hold their families in prayerful awareness. And the suspect, Alexander Wyatt Campbell, has been arrested. No others were harmed in the event. Our hearts go out to our friends and neighbors at Bridgewater College, and we're a close-knit community, and some of us at EMU have close colleagues or family members or friends who are part of the Bridgewater family. We pray that God's grace brings strength, comfort, and healing in this time of sorrow for Bridgewater College campus community, especially for the families of the fallen staff. Psalm 147 reminds us, the Lord heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. We pause with this remembrance in solidarity with those who are still reeling from the trauma, the stress, the pain, the loss. President Huxman goes on to share appreciation for some of us in student life who will be hosting a campus community space for prayer and care in Common Grounds Coffee House. It'll start at 1110 right after this program and continue until two. It's a drop-in opportunity with uh, warm drinks and snacks and various ways to express yourself or just talk or just be a circle of care. And we'll continue to monitor the unfolding news of this violent encounter at Bridgewater College, both to extend support and to learn from the tragedy. In the meantime, we extend deep sympathy, prayers, and ongoing solidarity with the entire Bridgewater community, not only the college community. I welcome ideas 
for how we can reach out um, to Bridgewater College in particular and share expressions of love and care and support. I was imagining praying for Bridgewater banner, maybe that's someplace on our campus. Maybe it stays up all the way through the women's game, middle of February, so that when they come in their bus, they'll see it. And something maybe on their campus. So please share ideas. How can we be meaningfully and symbolically supportive? We'll turn the program now over to our professors of language and literature in Spanish, uh, Maria Sara Showalter and Wendell Shank, whoever's leading. Thank you, Brian, especially for uplifting our um, friends and colleagues from Bridgewater. Um, if you're taking a class with one of our faculty from um, the Spanish department who also works at Bridgewater, please uh, be a support to her. Um, this, uh, yesterday I reached out to our uh, coworker who also works there and she, she's doing fine, but if you can continue holding them in prayer. Thank you, Brian. Buenos dias, uh, good morning. Thank you for being in this space, either in person or uh, virtually. Thank you so much um, for joining us. Uh, my name is Maria Esther Showalter from the Spanish department. Thank you for joining us this morning. Robert Frost said, there are three things, after all, that a poem must reach. The eye, the ear, and what we may call the heart or the mind. It is more important than all to reach the heart of the reader. Last night, while Dr. Rey Berroa was reading his poems in Writer's Read, he transported us to imagine and think profoundly on aspects of life as we also passionately care for such as peace, peace in our community and peace in our world. Thank you for leaving this poem with us. I will read from his book, Son Palomas Pensajeras by Rey de Roa. Tres variaciones sobre el tema de la paz y la paloma. Tres. Si la paz se vistiera de paloma, dicen los expertos en humanos. Con una sola paz nos bastaría para darle sus alas a la tierra, haciendo del humano una paloma. No es mucho pedirle a la paz o a la paloma. May we pursue peace like a dove.
Thank you, Luke, for that beautiful music playing. I think he definitely deserves a round of applause. I am Brianna Garcia Sanchez. I'm just here to introduce Dr. Ray Berora. Dr. Ray Berora's work centers around language, building peace and dissent, ethics in terms of the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Social justice, gender and racial diversity and equality, echo-poetics, and, com and compassionate humanism. During his reading, he will explore the poetics of human expression, creating links between the present and the past, looking towards the future. With the poetry anchored in the human experience and following the long-standing Latin American tradition of marrying the social, political, and lyrical expression. Ray asks uncomfortable questions for which many times there are no objective answers. Ray Berora is a, is a Dominican-American poet, university professor, literacy and cultural critic, and translator living in the United States. He has published more than 25 books of poetry, anthropologies, translations, and literacy criticism. I welcome Ray Berora. It's, it's very difficult to talk from so far away. Um, I am not used to, um, I'm used to get in front of people. Look, when I heard those bass at the bottom, I said immediately, truth is coming now to put order in the world. And I hope that that, um, that selection that you make, which really reflects beautifully uh, the birds singing, the dove flying, uh, the animals shaking hands with the humans, and then the dance of the left foot creating the sense that what we are missing is truth now, the order that uh, comes. Thank you very much. And thank you, Maria Esther, for this invitation. It all started five years ago, if I recall properly, when I went to uh, JMU to, to talk. And at that time, I could bring Eulalia, the guitar, with me. Uh, this time, my right hand is fighting with my left hand, and I am trying to create peace among the two of them um, now. Uh, but Eulalia couldn't be here. Thank you also, Kirsten, uh, you are over there. Um, Wendell, thank you for taking me around yesterday. Uh, it's also such a good way of thinking I'm, I'm safe with this guy. Uh, and, and so gentle and so, um, so together. Uh, Brian, uh, your words really uh, resonate. Uh, with uh, everything that you have said um, to me this morning has been very, um, uh, it has fallen in, uh, in a ground that, uh, that has a lot of possibility for growth. <clears throat> and everyone, indeed, everyone uh, involved in this activity, and to you, students, 
Uh, I am here not, not as an example, but also, but just to give you um, a, a, some kind of seed about my journey. Uh, and I hope that perhaps will give you some inspiration because if I did what I have done, that means that everyone can do it. Everyone can do something marvelous for the world. <clears throat> and I have, I have called this um, talk, in fact, I decided to bring it written because professors have a tendency of going from one thing to the next to the next, and then suddenly uh, they come and they say, where, I was? where was I? Um, in order to avoid this, I decided to put it all in writing so that I can go without um, that wandering. Uh, I, have I have called this, the earth belongs to each and all of us. And they say, it's a colloquy now on immigrants' difference and this place we call our mother earth. My name is Ray Berroa. Can you help me with this? Ray Berroa. I know it's so difficult to work with your tongue when you are not familiar with the sounds. And the familiarity with the sounds is the familiarity precisely about difference that we are going to work in. I am a Hispanic man of color from the Dominican Republic where I was born in 1949 and raised. I've been a professor of Spanish and Latin American studies at George Mason University since 1984. You might imagine that most of you were not born when I came to George Mason. Uh, don't worry, that's what happened to life, in life. And I was chair of the department from 2016 until this past summer. In 1970, I completed my undergraduate studies in philosophy at the Salesian Seminary in Aibonito, which was affiliated to the Catholic University of Puerto Rico. <clears throat> then I taught algebra, geometry, and trigonometry in the Dominican Republic. Uh, philosophers have a tendency to be interested in much more than just the logic of thought. And mathematics is a creative uh, field as well as a logical one. <clears throat> in the summer of 1974, I got a, a small scholarship from the Ministry of Culture of Spain to spend the summer in Malaga studying at the university. <clears throat> There, I met a young woman with whom I fell in love. We kept a letter relationship. No easy ways of, communication, of communicating at that time. And in 1975, I moved to Spain to begin my graduate work at Consejo Superior de Investigaciones Científicas in Spain and Middlebury College in Madrid. But as you might imagine, love had much more to do with it. I spent three years in Spain writing poetry, traveling occasionally from town to town with Eulalia, my guitar, 
and researching all aspects of Spanish poetry, life, and culture. In 1979, I was offered a fellowship by the University of Pittsburgh to complete my PhD. Originally interested in the cultural myth of Native Americans, specifically the Mapuche Indians in Chile, I completed instead a dissertation on ideology and rhetoric in the writings of Spanish poet Miguel Hernández. <clears throat> Before defending my dissertation, though, I was offered a job in California in 1982, a job that I accepted after asking my dissertation committee if it would be the right thing to do so. That job was just for one year, 82-83. In 83-84, I taught at Blackburn College in Carlinville, Illinois, nowadays the only nationally recognized work college whose work program is student-managed. I defended my doctoral dissertation in December 1983, and in the summer of 1984, accepted a position of assistant professor of Spanish and Latin American literature at George Mason University. I always wanted to come to the Washington DC area because when I was a student at Pitt, I traveled to Washington, I don't know how many times, but I can tell you that I attended all protests that were organized in Washington during those three years. Um, the, in fact, one of them was to the ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment. I don't know if you are familiar with the ERA, which was uh, to put uh, in the Constitution that women have the right to receive the same uh, the equal pay for equal work. It has not passed. It didn't pass then, so it didn't matter what it was. Uh, I came uh, in, from Pittsburgh in one of the 42 buses that came from Pittsburgh. I was the only man in the bus. Um, so when we arrived at Lafayette Square in Washington, the women gave me a megaphone and they began to scream, hey, Ray, what do you say? And I would scream, ratify the ERA, hey, Ray. And like this uh, celebration, uh, remember, it's, uh, we can have a lot of fun also if we, uh, if we think about doing these things also for the for the fun of being humans. <clears throat> I am a poet, professor, a literary critic, cultural critic, and a cultural agent uh, through which I organize every year a poetry festival that we call Poetry Marathon. We call Poetry Marathon because originally we read 24 hours of poetry without stop uh, and then we change it to 12 hours of poetry, but it's still a marathon um, where I bring poets to Washington from all the Spanish-speaking countries and then publish an anthology of these uh, poets. Um, last year, I published a book, probably the best work uh, of literary criticism that I have uh, produced uh, that is 
about motherhood and fatherhood, and it's called El Cuerpo Hendido, Poéticas de la Ma Paternidad, the split body, because with giving birth, the body splits. But at the same time, motherhood, which belongs to the mother, is also an office. It's also a job that corresponds to the male, because there are a lot of a lot of women that have to be mother and father, but there are quite a few men also that have to be father and mother uh, in their spirit. And then this book uh, gathers studies uh, about how literature deals with this. Uh, I left a copy of the book for the library. Um, I don't have the copy here to show it to you, but uh, it's, it is available. Uh, in the library. This book was my 54th publication. So I have published, as I have been said, books of poetry, literary criticism, anthologies and translations in Argentina, Cuba, the Dominican Republic, Guatemala, India, Italy, Mexico, Romania, Spain, the United States and Venezuela. The poetry I shared with you yesterday has been translated into English, French, Italian, Romanian, Portuguese, Turkish, and several other languages. I am not saying this to brag about it. I am sharing with you the journey of language. When I was your age, I never even thought that I was going to be able to say these things I have just said. I wish in 10, 15, 35 years, you will come here and share with the students of that forthcoming age the accomplishments that life has given you the chance to complete. I have been able to do all this because I became an immigrant in the United States. So let me talk a little bit about that. I really think that the human being is an immigrant. An immigrant that goes from the nothing that we are before our birth to the nothing that we will be after we stop breathing and talking. The human being is a, an immigrant that travels from nothingness to nothingness. And in this middle we call life that could last 11 months, 11 years, 11 decades. In this brief span that we are given, we do wonderful things to advance humanity or terrible things to degrade it. There is a group of marvelous people who do amazingly positive things. Socrates, Jesus, Buddha, Leonardo, Michelangelo, Cervantes, Mozart, 
Shakespeare, Sor Juana, Mandela, Mother Teresa. But there is also another group that used this short time to destroy and do evil things for humanity. Draco, Nero, Napoleon, Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin, Trump. The experience of immigration is different for every group and every individual. I want to believe that I am a completely different Dominican immigrant from, I would say, I would not say everybody because that wouldn't be true, but perhaps 95% of Dominicans who migrated from Santo Domingo to the US for completely different reasons. I knew that the best education anyone could get was available, could be available to me in the US. And I aim to get it. Now, even though in the US the foreign is the other, the one coming from another language and another culture, at that time, access to the university as student and in the future as a professor was very hard for me to attain. It was very hard for me to attain it in Spain and that it was easier, so I, I moved there, but then in Spain I got the possibility of jumping and coming to a university here. Here, the, Can the Canadians are not perceived as foreigners. The last federal government that we had insisted and did build some sections of a wall in the southern border, not in the north. South of that border, because they speak another language, and most of them look different, they are perceived, not by all, but by some, as, and I quote, a person that you remember having said this, that we, Mexicans, Guatemalans, Venezuelans, Chileans, Argentinians, Dominicans, Puerto Rican, that we are thieves and criminals and rapists. This characterization was done not long ago. In our televisions by somebody that we all know. The Statue of Liberty does not say anything to a black or brown person. The Statue of Liberty that we place there as Madame Liberty, welcoming everyone, doesn't say anything to one that came here as a slave in chains, not just 200 or 300 years ago, but still today. Children, women, for whom the Statue of Liberty is really a cactus 
in the desert of Arizona. In a way, that tree or any other tree that harbors people that decide to escape brutality and abuse, that tree is their representation of the Statue of Liberty. Let's call it the Tree of Liberty. I have known so many students whose parents came walking from El Salvador, Guatemala, Nicaragua, Mexico, Venezuela, even Chile. Walking. Think about it. How can someone walk three months, five months, in order to reach a place that is not their home without anything, just with a dream? I don't have that strength. I don't have that courage to do that. So I have so much respect for these courageous people. So much reverence for their decision to find a better place, a better condition, a better situation. Nobody should be ashamed for abandoning everything they had in order to have a better life for themselves, but especially for their children. Never. It should be a matter of pride for all of us. We should all celebrate that. So the person who walks through the desert, the experience that this person has is totally different from the experience of the immigrant that takes a plane and lands in JFK or LAX, or from the one who in the past took a boat and enter through Ellis Island, because this experience, the experience that each one of us has as an immigrant, is totally different. To share them should enrich our human condition. And I want to remember two cases. The first one you might remember, you were young, but it was an image of a three-year-old child, Alan Kurdi, a Syrian boy drowned in the shores of the Mediterranean in 2015, while he and his family were trying to reach Europe. And also the case of Elian Gonzalez. Obviously, you don't remember this one because it happened when you perhaps were not born. Uh, as examples of the infamies that societies create that also involve innocent children. Elian Gonzalez, and let me say just a, a few um, words about Elian Gonzalez, was a child whose mother decided to join 12 more people to go from Cuba to Florida in a small boat that was good only for three or four people. In the middle of the Caribbean, they all drowned except for the child and a young couple. The five-year-old child was rescued by two fishermen off the coast of Fort Lauderdale. It became a sensational issue 
because the father in Cuba was asking the U.S. to return his child to him, but the Cubans in Miami said they were not going to send that child to the father because he was coming from a communist country. President Clinton's Attorney General Janet Reno tried to negotiate, tried to negotiate with these Cubans in Miami, telling them that it didn't matter what type of government a country had, a child belongs to his family. And at the end, unfortunately, they have to send the SWAT team to seize the child by force from these people and send him back to his father in Cuba. Today, we might witness similar infamies. As we speak right now, there are still hundreds of children whose parents the government cannot find. This is a crime against humanity. Immigrants build houses and buildings, give food to the people that go to restaurants, take care of the sick in hospitals and nursing homes. For example, here in this region, and the Washington DC region, we can go to Somali, Eritrean, Yemeni, African, South American restaurants. All these are restaurants giving a flavor, sharing the flavor of their land and of their cultures with everybody in this country. It would be devastating for the U.S. not to celebrate this diversity. Like, like EMU, Mason is a marvelously diverse community. Last year, for instance, I was in a university meeting with 175 people, all of them employed by Mason, and I think that at least 75% of us were immigrants, not just because of their names, but because the way they talked. You immediately recognize yourself in their accent, and you tell yourself, oh, that sounds so beautiful. So many musics, so many tonalities. That's a Swedish person. That's German, that's Spanish, that's French, a French sound. It is so amazing that in our universities we can celebrate and respect, but celebrate especially the voice of those who are different, the voices of the other. Why, why can the country not feel the same way? In my department, thinking about all our professors, I can tell you that the professors who teach Chinese are Chinese. The ones who teach Korean are Koreans. But the professors who teach French, two are from the US, but educated in another country. Another one is from Laos, third person I know from that country. And others from Romania, France, Pakistan. You realize that the immigrants have brought so much knowledge of all 
sorts of things from so many countries. They are really the backbone of this nation, despite what a bunch of white supremacists are trying to say, we are this country because we collect the fru fruits and vegetables that are going to feed people, but we also planted them, distributed them, and now with the pandemic, we even bring them to every person's door. We do everything for the country that has given us work and the possibility of a decent or celebrated life. Why not reciprocate in the same manner? Is this much to ask? I had a few other things to say, but I asked Brian if it was okay to finish my colloquy with a poem. And it's a poem that in a way, <coughs> in a way, celebrate this that I have said and many other things that I didn't say that had written or could say. <coughs> so I'm going to end with this poem to you. <coughs> and it's called Promise to Keep in Life and Perhaps in Death if allowed and necessary. <coughs> and it comes with an with a epigraph in Latin that says, profanum vulgus deperio et obviam ei procedo, which means, I love the common people and go out to meet them. Blessed be the breasts that brought me here to this podium with you, constant comrades from everywhere and for so long, friends in rain and drought, in calm and turbulence, brothers, sisters, of this poor and joyful living of a man like every man, flesh of your flesh, skin of your skin and your word. With you, let me engender the same joy that surprised us when we cross exhausted the channel of life. The first distant day we wept and left behind the full moon womb, floating womb of dark and living water, narrow door through which we hurtled into light with strident cries of protest to the skies, flexed the cord of nerves which hide the curled up seed of dreaming and desire, awed at so long and heavy voyage begins in that brief leap. With you, who have made these days a solid sum of earthen faces, furrowed feet and hands where those who know will say the hours that we share are marked within our rented span of time. <clears throat> My call is also to the blooms of mango, guava, cherry, jasmine, for with them it was I breathed my first 
Plus gushing, slipping down my body, amazed and sobbing, never knowing my nakedness and why the eyes of all were full of joy upon me. With you, this look at what is gone and what is coming, what this day reveals in bursts of sun, what happens to the letters that we join to make our words, flame trees of the senses, margaritas, kisses, all we hold most dear, twisted in the species, roots where the rivers we make flow must be of scent and light and not blood. Yet not all of us evoke our triumphal entry into this life this way. That's why I'm here, to ask for an eternity harbored in the instant of this confluence we share. I only seek the flashing of a lightning bolt and may it stay with us a thousand years forever undiminished. Just help me never to forget the dead in Madrid or Chiapas or Tlatelolco, the unvoiced victims of Chile or Argentina whose mothers seek still the familiar noise of bones in family albums. In Iraq, more than half a million dead, fathers huddled over daughters, mothers, elderly, children clutching school books at their waist, spouses, fiancés who crafted love till came the blind, smart bums of those who have built the dirty enterprise of war reaper of white houses in their legions. Millions of people dead today, never knowing what to do with bones and worms, revenge two hundredfold for Manhattan's dead, three thousand. And then the streets of big, easy, washed-in corpses Mississippi waters like hounds to quash the flutes of saxes of a hundred years. Three thousand remnants floating like boys moored upon a sea of fleckness and fraud. Where are you, Walt? Where are you, Walt Whitman, old immortal one, now that we need you? And you, Sachmo. Where's your trumpet on the walls to sound the knell of life and put to flight the misery in the heart of arteries of jazz while they were in their Texas bunker hiding from the plague, from the plague they told us it was not. Lying yet again and playing with us with their loud guffaws, sure they'd not get caught and no one would reveal the whereabouts of weapons they have invented. Declaring victory, declaring victory before the votes were counted. In spite of wounds, of massacres, of torture, despite this black, contritable shadow, I bear in breast and ear and eye like a fossilized car. I've crossed pain's portal to finger man's hostility to man. And now I flow, companions, into you, 
to celebrate embrace and song at any cost. I need your picks and hoes to sow a piece of happiness of which we'll never get tired, and with it take possession of a strand of sea where we can meet in love and bring guitars and Luke's organ and these uncompromising lines. If sometimes you see my eyes not smiling or feel my hands not yet unfurled to wrap my neighbor, if you find me not beside you in the path, if you fail to hear my breathing or my teardrops striking sand when we gather by the table of our common grief, if no joy of my humanity ripples in the galaxy when you lay upon my shoulder your embrace for those who are born and live and die alone, then expel me from light and friends and ocean. My vow is forever with you, comrades, with your joy and whoever is my other. Thank you. <clears throat> we have one minute to, huh? Five minutes, okay. So we are closing now, or? Time, we invite you to stick around if you would like to address Ray, to speak with him personally, to come up front after the announcements and discuss with him. Tell him what this has awakened in you. He said last night at the Writer's Read that poetry isn't so much what the poet has to say, but it's what it awakens in the person who is listening. It's what it awakens in you. And I know from conversations that I've had with him in the past day and a half that he loves to hear that. He loves to hear the response from people. So we invite you to that. But in light of the time, we now have campus announcements. Rhea Clymer here. I'm just going to highlight a few of the events coming up here within the next week. Um, at the events calendar, oh, there it is. Friday night, we have trivia and common grounds. We also have a new women's Bible study starting up at 7.30, and then real life Mario Kart and an open gym, so a full Friday evening. And then also, this weekend is Honors Weekend, and Saturday is Scholarship Day. So if you see prospective students or their families around campus, we welcome you to welcome them warmly as they um, enjoy their weekend here. And like Brian mentioned, in light of the shooting that happened yesterday at Bridgewater, there will be a community space of prayer and care at Common Grounds until 2 p.m. this afternoon. There are lots of other exciting and important events coming up, so I encourage you to continue checking the events calendar. And all that being said, thank you for coming to Convocation this morning, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.